Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Billy, if we told you before the season you'd be 16 and 18 at the All-Star break, what do you think your reaction would have been? Oh, I mean, I, I don't, I have no idea, Cody. I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, we're, we have a losing record right now. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't really look at it that way. I mean, I, I, the record to me is more about how we're playing and are we making progress. And I think this team has made incredible progress, you know, in my opinion, just being with them. And they've done a really, really good job. And I think maybe Sam asked me the other day about, you know, what I was grateful for. These guys have been phenomenal. But, you know, at the same point, too, we have a long way to go. And I'm, I'm trying to, you know, not have them be satisfied. And we need to keep trying to pull more out of each other. They need to pull more out of me. I got to pull more out of them. We just got to pull more out of each other. And there's more to give. And there's, there's growth and there's an opportunity to improve and get better. The scores, Cody Westerlund with a question. The Bulls, Billy Donovan with the answer. That's what a real coach sounds like. The record matters. That's what the deal is, as opposed to last year where you just had sort of If you like, build it, they will come. Yeah, the Michelin mm-hmm. Man blowhard basketball Bevington, just a, um, a, whole lot of, a whole lot of stupid. And yet you have a real coach, so that's what he sounds like, and that's what this team looks like. The record matters, whereas it didn't matter to basketball Bevington last year. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosen, Lamar Crody with you. Saturday suckage. We suck so you don't have to. The, we're going to go to the score hotline now. It's presented by Alpamonte Ford, Alpamonte Ford and Melrose Park on North Avenue or apford.com. And welcome in from NBC Sports Chicago. He covers the Bulls. He observes them. He writes about them. And now he shares stuff with us. He's Rob Schaefer. Rob, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. How you doing? So halfway through, what do you think? The good, the bad, the ugly, the, the what you expected, what you didn't expect. Where are you? Where? What do you think of where the Bulls are right here, right now? Well, I will say even 16 and 18, I don't think I would have projected that record at this point in the season. I know it's below 500, as Billy Donovan has, has emphasized, but um, I think I had this team pegged for, you know, high 20s in the win department um, in a 72-game season before the season started. They're right now on pace for 34. Uh, it's the schedule's probably been a little bit softer than you might have expected at the beginning of the season. But, um, I mean, there's certainly signs of growth. You've got uh, a number of guys having career years headlined by Zach Levine, obviously getting his first all-star selection. I think that's a big thing for the team and a big thing for him personally. Um, and then, you know, just impressed with the job that Billy Donovan has done, because let's be real, uh, as you guys hinted out in the open, um, that's the biggest change from last year to this year. Uh, he seems to have elicited full buy-in from this team, and I think the the tone of that question 
or of that response to that question by by Cody perfectly illustrates that he's he, he's he's willing to uplift these guys when they do well and when they do sh- uh, show signs of growth. Um, but he also has a challenging style, a challenging nature to him, where they're not going to rest on their laurels. You know, being two games under 500 at the All Star break, even if it is an overachievement. So I think from the production to the tone and the culture that Billy Donovan seems to have set already, uh, I'm impressed with what the Bulls have done so far. They don't think they're done yet. Um, so we'll see. The second half schedule is going to be it's going to be grueling, but uh, I'd, I'd say I'm pretty impressed with what I've seen so far. You mentioned guys having career years, Rob, and sometimes that connotes that guys are playing over their heads. Are there any Bulls players that are playing above their usual capacity or what would one would think their capacity would be? Yeah, the only one that I kind of have a red flag on is Lowry Markkinen, and I only say that because to this point in the season, as well as he played out of the gate, and I think he pretty much did everything you could have asked for him in a contract year playing for an extension – um, but for him to only have appeared in 20 games at this point, or sorry, to, to have appeared in 14 games at this point, missed 20. Um, I want to see that hot shooting that he came out of the gate with sustain a little bit, just because, you know, you look at his career marks, he's a low to mid forties percent shooter from the field for his career, about average 35, 36% from three. And, you know, through 14 games, he's 52% from the field, 39% from three, 39, 40%. And that's the theory of Lowry marketing. That's the player you want him to be, um, to be that level of shooter and efficient scorer. Um, at his size, it can create so many mismatch problems. It can open up a lot for your offense, and it was, you know, when he was on the floor. Um, but because the sample size is so small, I'm not, I'm not saying that that isn't something that's going to sustain, but I still need to see it a little bit more because right now that sample size is about the sample size of a month worth of games. We've seen him have good months before. It's about the consistency for him. So he's the one when he comes back for injury that I'm, that I'm watching closely in the second half to see if that, um, you know, that hot shooting does have a sustainability to it. Our guest on the score is Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. We're talking Bulls basketball here. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you. So in whatever order you want, Rob, the Bulls, as you wrote about their foul happiness, and uh, specifically against Zion Williamson, who automatically, he shoots five free throws getting off the bus. But yeah. that or the turnovers. And and the foul, the, their foul happy play is something that you would think I know it's a work in progress. Have you seen improvement between what Donovan said, what the players are doing? Where is the where is the failure to communicate, as I might quote Cool Hand Luke? Yeah, well, I, I think you know you, you could you could pinpoint areas of growth in, in both of those areas throughout the year. I think the the fouling on the defensive end is something that's been pretty consistent, whether they've been playing well or not. You know, they had a stretch where the turnovers were down. Um, but that, that, that opponent free throw rate is something that they've been near the bottom of the league of for pretty much the entire year. Um, it's just about the most backbreaking thing, especially when um, you look at the way that Pelicans game ended before the All-Star break, for example, fouling three three-point shooters or two three-point shooters in the last minute of the game, three three-point shooters um, on the game total. Um, that's just about as backbreaking uh, a development as you can have as a defense that struggled this year. And when you, when you have a possession where you play solid defense for, you know, 16 to 24 or 16 to 23 seconds, and then you end it with that. Um, it can really set you back. Um, I, you know, I, I think there are symptoms of a young team to a degree, uh, especially the turnovers. Um, you know, they certainly the foul, uh, the, the overfouling was worse. And, and this might sound strange to say because he's a guy who's had trouble with it in his career. Um, but when Wendell Carter Jr. was out, just the way that they had to scramble for minutes at that center spot, you saw Daniel Gafford probably get thrust into a position that um, he isn't exactly tailored for him at this point in his career. Um, I think, you know, there was, a, there was obviously that got exacerbated in that stretch. It hasn't necessarily gotten a tremendous amount better since Wendell has been back. He's still averaging over four fouls 
um, for 36 minutes, which isn't a rate that you want to see from your young defensive-minded center. I mean, that's the, that's the anchor of his game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't really confidently say that I've seen, uh, you know, growth in that area over an extended stretch. It's something that I'll be watching closely, the turnovers, the overfouling, and the closing out games late, especially against good teams. Those are really the yeah, three areas that if you want to see this team get to the next level, they'll have to address in the second half. Sorry, Rob. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. returning. The Gafford is back, too. Why was he in the doghouse? Yeah, well, I it seemed to me, you know, we asked Billy Donovan about that a couple times as it related to Luke Cornett playing over him. It just seemed like he liked his floor spacing. He liked the way that he stretched out defenses in that way. Now, obviously, that wasn't um, something that came to fruition until really his last two games before the break. He started out the season 1-14 from three, Cornett, that is. But I think it just kind of came down to a decision between Daniel Gafford and Luke Cornett for those spot 10 to 12 minutes of third-string center uh, throughout a game because they've been running Thad Young um, kind of at the small ball five in a backup capacity. Uh, but I think, you know, it came down to that. It came down to, you know, you saw the ways that Daniel Gafford struggled uh, playmaking, decision-making, um, passing at the center spot, which is so essential to, to Billy Donovan's offense that I think, um, you know, he assessed that and saw the way that he struggled in a starting role. And it just seems like he was giving Luke Cornett a chance. That's one thing about Billy Donovan. He's never been afraid to push buttons and see what works and what doesn't. Um, with Luke Cornett out for personal reasons for the Pelicans game, Gafford jumped back in. Uh, but I, I do think when Lowry Markinen is back in the lineup, I'm not sure that you'll see much of either of them just because Lowry will kind of be able to fill that role of that floor spacing big that it seems like Billy wants to have out there. Rob Shaver is our guest here on The Score, NBC Sports Chicago. We're talking Bulls. So the Cavaliers benched Andre Drummond. Their rumor is the Bulls would be interested because they could use that kind of body. Um, do you believe it? Do you not believe it? Would it matter? Is it a smart move? Is it a stupid move? What, what should, what do you expect the Bulls to do? Uh, it surprised me a little bit just because of the tone that Arturis Karnaschova set at his midseason press conference when you know he talked about the goal being um, kind of improving the group uh, that they have in the building right now. Um, to me, I took that to, to mean you know that they m- weren't necessarily going to be aggressive trying to move their veterans and selling off of the guys that they have uh, in house already that maybe could help a contending team. Now, a move for Drummond would be a move you know where the Bulls would be buying and saying, hey, we want to make this run. For a playoff spot, we think that'd be conducive to player development and, and things like that. Now, you could talk through that philosophy, and, and I could follow your line of thinking. For me, the Drummond example specifically is not an option that I would be particularly um, excited about. Uh, I just I don't necessarily see him as addressing weaknesses that the Bulls have or areas of improvement directly. I mean, he's a trem- I mean, to me, his elite skill is as a defensive rebounder, and the Bulls have actually been a decent defensive rebounding team, to, if not great. You know, they're second in the league in defensive rebounding. Great going into the going into the break, they've been decent at limiting second chance points and things like that, save for a few isolated incidents. Um, I just, you know, he's not a, for for a big. He's not a tremendous finisher around the basket. I know he's always been a big steals and blocks guy, but I don't see him as a particularly fundamental defender. Um, I think he's a better option than any of the backups that they have, but I don't, I don't necessarily see it as a move um, that is a slam dunk if you're you know, trying to trade for him to supplant Wendell Carter Jr. in the starting lineup or Lowry Markin in the starting lineup, for example. So it, it surprised me a little bit, I'll be honest. And you know, we'll, see if, uh, we'll see if it comes to fruition. If it did, you would trust that the new front office has worked enough back channels to know that he'd be amenable to whatever the role is going to be. But given that, you know, the Cavs have basically sat him because he didn't want to take a reserve role um, on an under 500 team, I'm not sure what would change about that situation um, for the Bulls. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it, I definitely raised an eyebrow at it when I, when I did see that report. Do you think 
Arturis Karnaschovas and to a lesser degree Eversley and Donovan, do you think they actually care whether or not they make the playoffs this year? Well, I think yes, Billy about it, and I think he says what any coach would say, which is, you know, that's what the coach's job is, is to maximize results on a night-to-night basis, and, you know, if that leads to the playoffs, um, I think he certainly um, would be happy about it. The, the reason that I could think and I could extrapolate and think that they might see value in making the playoffs is because you have this core of players that is very young, but at the same time, a guy like Zach Levine, a guy like Lowry Markinen, um, a guy like Wendell Carter Jr. have been around here for a couple years and really – I mean, is it fair to say that none of them have really played a meaningful basketball game in their careers to this point Um, when it comes to, you know, coming down the stretch of a regular season, vying for a playoff spot, um, you know, playing in a playoff game? I think at some point you have to have those experiences to really maximize player development. I think you're seeing that in the way that players are developing, even having the marginal level of success that they've had right now, uh, being two games under 500 this late into a season. So for that reason, and because Zach has so cemented himself to me as a guy that you have to think seriously about, you know, building around long term, the way that they've, you know, bought in under Billy and the way that the players seem to have their minds set on the postseason, I think, you know, just from a cultural perspective, when you're laying the groundwork for that, I think leaning into that buy-in and, you know, seeing if the players can go and, um, you know, achieve that goal that they've set for themselves, I think there is a long-term effect that that can have. Um, now you can't let it cloud, you know, if you, you know, if, if there are opportunities or avenues to accumulate draft capital or build assets, you know, for down the line, because this really is still year one of a rebuild in terms of the new front office and the new coach, you know, you can't let it totally cloud you, but I do think there's value in that. And with how much the new front office has parroted player development since they got here, I, I would be shocked if they didn't see that. Great stuff, Rob. We appreciate your insight. Thanks for taking time today for us. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. All right, Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago talking Bulls there. Good stuff. I just think uh, I like where that arrow's pointed. At. Having a real basketball coach, Mark, it just sounds like it's it's a real team. They're real hopes. And, and I think your question's really interesting, Because your last question, because I think they have to make the playoff. They need something to show for everything they've done, all the improvement. The playoffs kind of justify that. And they get to the playoffs, things we talked about, Rob, earlier is – if you cut down the dumb fouling, if you cut down the turnovers, then you're going to win games late because you've cut down your two greatest flaws. See, I, so I, I, yeah. I still don't think – I get what he's – I shouldn't even have included Billy Donovan in that question because, of course, the head coach wants to go to the playoffs. That, that's that's what he does. But the the president of basketball operations, Arturis Karnaschovas, I don't think he cares. Honestly, like, I, and I would say, why would he care? Because he has said, well, the key thing that he has said, and he said it the other day too, that this year is about player development. And that, and of course, if he's asked directly, do you want to make the playoffs? He's going to say yes. But right now it's about developing players. And secondly, knowing what you have by the end of the year. Those are the two most important things. Can you develop guys that you think are going to be around? And... Do you know what you have? So in the offseason, you could start to pick apart. And that's why, too, I got no problem with the, the only guy that, to me, is an untouchable right now because I have, I have been sold Zach Levine just from watching him. Mm-hmm. I think he's an untouchable. And I think that's it. I mean, the the, the whole notion of, of Thad being off limits, to me, is ridiculous. Like, you got to – if you get an offer and it's not – you know, I mean, you don't get them – you don't trade them for nothing – but 
you jump on that. You jump on it. It's, it's silly. I mean, to, to think. I mean, th- I get it. There's some experience involved in making the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. But at this point, I, I don't think – I think more value is in developing players and finding out what you have as opposed to making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just I, – I, I understand that's what they're balancing, and they just – and they can, they need to be vague as they continue this because they're not giving away anything. Um, rest of the hour, uh, back half of this hour, we're going to talk with Evan Altman, Cubs insider, about the Cubs, what they're doing, what they might do, what they not what, – what news, what may have surprised them, what hasn't. Top of next hour, what Mark heard. We're going to allow a lot of time to breathe on that because Mark heard a lot this week. And Steve Stone has some things to say. We'll bring that to you. Next, after this break, we're going to do What Are You Doing, Wagner? Aaron Rodgers, a Golden Globe. Look at that. Aaron oh, Rodgers, man. a Golden Globe. And, and the best source you could ever have for a recent story. We'll discuss that along with Sage Advice from a Baltimore weatherman next on What Are You Doing, Wagner? Right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. What are you doing, Wagner? So we're doing here on The Score. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody. What are you doing, Wagner? It's Saturday Suckage. It is our nearly award-winning segment. So, Mark, did you watch the Golden Globes? Did you see the Golden Globes last week? These Golden Zooms, whatever you want to call them? Yeah, you know, I I recorded it, I started yep. watching it, and it did not hold my attention. First time in ever. I love those. You and I are like on the same page. Like the the comedy and the irreverence that comes from award shows is usually pretty cool, and I love uh-huh. the Golden Globes. But I I don't know the whole Zoom thing and the people at home. It all it all seemed a little bit too rehearsed and scripted, and that's not my Golden Globe. So no, right. I I watched like like half an hour of it. Well, the surprise for those of us in this crossover biz is seeing Jodie Foster thank Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Jodie Foster won a Golden Globe. She is at home with Ziggy the dog and her wife, Alexandra Hedison. And Jodie's there in pajamas. And she's thanking everybody. I love my wife. Thank you, Alex and Ziggy and Aaron Rodgers. Now, if you recall, about a month ago, when Aaron Rodgers was named NFL MVP, he thanked Jody Rogers. So, what's the center of this Venn diagram? The center of the Venn diagram is this, the Mauritanian. Jody Foster won a Golden Globe for her performance in the Mauritanian. Her co-star is Shailene Woodley. That is Aaron Rodgers' fiance. Ha uh, ha ha ha! I guess I should have watched more. Yes, that connects the that connects the dots. Shailene Woodley <laughs> is the so they were so Aaron Rodgers shouts out Jody Foster in his MVP, and she shouts out Aaron Rodgers in her Golden Globe, and Shailene Woodley in somewhere in the middle of this as explaining that yes, I am that woman. I'm engaged to. Aaron Rodgers, and she wasn't really, let's say she wasn't fully up on what the Aaron Rodgersness of Aaron Rodgers is. But she recalls now, quote, when I first met him, I think my dog like pulled me aside and was like, if you don't date this dude, I will disown you as my mother. Because the three feet that I run when you throw the ball 
is nothing compared to the marathon I'm able to run with him. <laughs> That's what Shailene Woodley had to say. Oh, I love when you connect dots. Can I ask you a yeah, sidebar? I got a sidebar. You... Yeah? Sidebar yep. Jody Foster. Have you been watching the CBS television show Clarice? No, I, I, I've been a little afraid of that only because the original is so good. I don't want to go near it. It just, it pains me to think that there's no, I mean, why, hello, Clarice. I, she was so good. He was magnificent. It was outstanding. So, no, why don't you share with us? How, you must have been watching that if you asked this Dr. question. Dr. Lecter, Dr. Lecter. Uh, freeze! <laughs> now, I have, <laughs> I have been watching it and... Honestly, you are probably right to not watch it. Like, it's not bad. Like, if if there was never a Clarice before this, like, the show objectively might be okay. But my expectations were so high, and I was so excited about it, that it's been a letdown. I've watched two episodes and a half, and I've kind of forced my way through it. But I might be done with it. So my reviews are are not great for Clarice. Yeah, she's good. Kinda... Like the actor who plays her, like she's got her down. The whole, you know, West Virginia accent thing that she's got going on, Clarice, Dr. Lecter. But it's just, yeah, it does not live up to the expectations. So you've done the right thing, Steve. Yeah, well, I was wrong. I, I didn't think MASH would live up to it either after the movie because the movie was so spectacular and wonderful, and yet the series endured and changed characters, and and they had the same names. They weren't necessarily the same guys, the um whether it was Trapper John and, and, and like that, it was, it was wonderful. And Radar was the same, but it wasn't, you know, it, it surprised me that carried on. But that scared me because what you just described is that this actress is not doing Clarice. She's doing Jodie Foster doing Clarice. Well, I've already it, seen Jodie Foster. I don't need to see somebody else do it again. Right. And, and it's really good. Like, she's probably the best, and it's a good thing, that she probably is putting in the best performance of any of the other actors. But it's just, it's just not that compelling. So, okay. moving on. Right. Moving on, and what are you doing, Wagner? Um, we were talking earlier about sources and people suggesting and people knowing and, and how strongly you can report something. Well, I'd say this is pretty strong, but this is just me. I'll, get, I'll let you see what you think. So there's, in this tweet is a picture of J.J. Watt. I've been, you know, cut loose, bye-bye from the Houston Texans, that fuster cluck down there. And he's wearing a freshly printed Arizona Cardinals, sort of a baseball style shirt. One of the things that goes down about three quarters. And he's got a he's got a barbell on the back of his shoulders and he's got a ferocious look on his face. So here's JJ Watt lifting weights in a Cardinals uh, shirt. And the tweet says, source, colon, me. <laughs> so that's how he announced who he signed with. That's, I, I like, actually prefer that. Than <laughs> well, it's pretty, pretty certain, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's not just that. I just hate that every one of these NFL players, when they have a story, big name or small name, they go running to, to Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport because they want the because you know as a competitive reporter it's like come on th- throw throw a bone to the local guys every once in a while 
But if if you're gonna do it, break it yourself, then that's a different story. So that's yeah. Cool. Well, it's a pretty good source, isn't it? That that's a hell of a source. It. Yeah, undisputed. So this is something that we might at, at some future time, if we can remember that we did this, it's something we would call the I'm Fat podcast to uh, comment on. But this is from the Tulsa Police Department log. Police logs are always a stitch. On 2-26-2021, around 8 p.m., we got called out to a burglary near 67th and South Sheridan. The female victim said another woman was breaking in through a window and she has two small children inside the house. So far, this seems pretty serious. Officers found the suspect, named Sharon Carr, had pried the screen off a window using a board and got inside. She left before stealing anything or harming anyone. And here's where the detective work comes in. Officers found a bag of Cheetos Mm. and a bottle of water on the floor near the open window and believe Carr dropped them on the way out. The victim identified Carr as the suspect after seeing her. Okay, well, you have an ID, a positive ID, that's fine, but you still need some evidence to link the the, um, suspect who has been ID'd. So here's your evidence. Carr was further linked to the crime by Cheeto residue on her teeth. She was a rat. <laughs> Idiot. You know what? It, it's so it's so perfect. Like, no orange teeth, not me, officer. And that's kind of what, that's the mocking that, um, you know, the nacho fries kind of thing that, um, um, Mila Kunis and Austin Kutcher are yes. Austin Kutcher. They're kind of doing that, and I wanted to. They're mocking that whole thing, but here was a real criminal who was busted for Cheeto dust on her teeth. God, I just, that's the amazing. idea of dusting the I'm Fat podcast for Cheeto dust sounds like, you know, dust them for Cheetos, officer. Okay, I just think that's a st- that's a possibility. Hey, your guy. By the way, your guy. Did you see this tweet from Chance the Rapper, your guy? I might have. I don't know. Do tell. Is it Go the and put in one? the call, Chicago Bears, and then yep. it just says number three. Yep. I so, retweeted that. Do you have an that. update I on did. that? Do you have any update? Uh, on no, that? I have not seen Chance in the neighborhood. And Ooh. I promise you the next time I do, I will ask him to come on the score, or I will ask him to further his thoughts, because I'm always carrying a recorder, and I'm always looking for Chance. Right, as as you should be. So yeah. you know, does, I still can't you know, believe you didn't ask him to come on the show last time you saw him. I mean, come well, on, man. Well, I mean, I couldn't. I, I just wanted I wanted him to feel comfortable with one of his neighbors. You know, as a, I didn't want to be one of those people that wanted something from him. So I wanted him to think I was cool, and I feel like he did. Like it was just there he was walking in the neighborhood with his beautiful girlfriend and child and walking right by a grocery store about a block from me and stopped, said, hey, what's up, Chance? Mark Rody, score. He's like, oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, chatted for a couple minutes and let him go. So, And I haven't seen him since, and that's upsetting. Okay, well, next time you see him, now you have the relationship built, so you uh-huh. need to ask him to come on the show. Done. I will, you know, I'll set him up with the Lucy app the next time I see him. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Okay, that'll be good. That or you know yeah. what? No, you know what? You can just dial up right then and there. Give me a call. Maybe I'll be at the station, and I'll just start. I'll just re- hit record, and then we can have the interview for whenever we want. 
there, you know what's the best go. part about running into and i'm not kidding about this i, I did run into chance yes. the best thing about chance is that the the reason i knew it was chance because it looked like chance and he was wearing his signature three baseball cap like he's in character even in the public even when he's with his family so that's how i kind of knew like Hey, I I think he doesn't mind being recognized. So, and I was right, and he was very pleasant. The the numbers work for me if you believe in numismatics. Yep. So, so this came out of Toronto Trash Panda. I thought you might be interested in this because we are the Trash Panda show as well as being the mom show on Saturday Suckage. Um, the Toronto Star reported that between January 2020 and February 2021. Toronto Public Public Health saw a 62% increase in reports of people being bitten or scratched by raccoons compared to the two-year <laughs> average previously. Trash Inside, bad. there's this note that raccoons can be provoked by violence by people trying to feed or pick them up. The Public Health Unit's reports uh, indicate raccoons attacked without cause about a third of the time this year, so as... Tweeter, the tweeter guy named Matt Tomic notes that two-thirds of you guys getting bit by raccoons were voluntarily touching 40-pound wild rats who eat diapers, so that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> Where Tons. are you on this, <laughs> Crash Panda? Does it sound like, can you help our friends up north? Uh, yeah, I, of course I can. Number one, shoot them. If, if that's the... <laughs> that's so simple. Yeah, I mean... That, yeah, your dad's got a lifetime of work up there now. Well, hey, yeah, for, exactly. And he, well, you know, look, you know, they're a nuisance. You got to get rid of them. Like, like well, we've been over this. We went over this all last year. You got to solve the problem. You can't just temporarily... There's no temporary solution by just displacing them. You got to solve the problem. And by eliminating the vermin, you solve the problem. Right. I love I love the idea that people think they, they could pet them. Hey, let's pick them up. They're really cute. I, uh, and yeah, like, I, yeah I, the thing is, you get butt you get bit by one of those things unless you capture it, capture it slash, you know, however means you take to capture it. Because if you get bit by a raccoon, you got to get tested for rabies. And that's pretty yeah. painful. So you got to catch the raccoon because then you can catch they can test it. So you don't have to get tested. That's why you shoot them. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't I just, know if they can, they, they might be able to test it. Yeah, they can test them while they're alive. So I, if you can live trap it and then it doesn't have rabies and you want to let it go, that's on you. But I'm certainly not going to go through a rabies test. So it's not just the edge of nowhere, Illinois, where raccoons are a problem. They're a problem north of the border. Okay. So before we go, before we end this segment of what are you doing, Wagner? Mark, I want you to listen to this. This is Patrick Ellis of WLBT. A television station in Baltimore. When we were having that hellacious wave of public vortex and I mean polar vortex and horrible weather and tons of snow, he was offering weather reports with life advice. So here is Patrick Ellis doing that. 
So as I mentioned, you need to be where you need to be by lunch today, if not earlier than that. I know it's Sunday. You want to go to church. Today is not the day to go to church. Do it virtually because you may get stuck at the church house. And if it's Valentine's, uh, today is Valentine's Day. If you don't like the person that you're with, you might as well go ahead and leave right now because it ain't going to be good for you because you may not be able to leave until about Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) We have to play the game. I want to make sure everyone understood that. He is telling you what you have to get done for and, and he's not doing in any kind of you know weather apocalyptic weather the the uh, snowpocalypse he's explaining this is going to happen this is how you should plan your day oh, yeah. and and this is how you should plan your Valentine's Day. Let's play that again. So as I mentioned, you need to be where you need to be by lunch today, if not earlier than that. I know it's Sunday, you wanna go to church. Today is not the day to go to church. Do it virtually because you may get stuck at the church house. And if it's Valentine's, uh, today is Valentine's Day. If you don't like the person that you're with, you might as well go ahead and leave right now because it ain't gonna be good for you because you may not be able to leave until about Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) How good is that? How, that's the best weather report. All right, here we go. Here's what you do with your life. Where's this bike guy been? This he should do everyone's. Every weather weatherman should be or weather reporter should be able to give you life tips along the way, don't you think? Wouldn't that be? Oh great? yeah, and I like that he calls it a church house too. That, that's adorable. Yeah, that's it. It's, all right, it's Valentine's Day. If you don't like the person you're with, leave now. <laughs> okay, we're gonna leave go. now. And when we come back, we'll talk some Cubs with Evan Altman of Cubs Insider. This is Saturday Suckage, but you figured that out. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. He's got another hit. Here comes Hayward. Johnson up with it. Throw is cut off, and the Cubs have tied it. Nico Horner is just scalding hot. Break up Nico Horner. Yesterday's broadcast on, uh, where was that? Where was that broadcast, Trash Panda? The sure Marquee Network. Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. I just Is that part of the wheelbarrow full of money that they're going to get to the front office? Is that Nico Horner's, his hit is just going to fill that wheelbarrow? Well, we'll find they out. They emptied it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get a score. <laughs> Score hotline. We're going back to it. It's presented by Alpamonte Ford, Alpamonte Ford Melrose Park on North Avenue or apford.com. Joining us again is Evan Altman of CubsInsider.com. Evan, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. You know, I'm uh, I'm a little less than 24 hours from heading out to Mesa myself. So I'm enjoying the Midwest and soaking in the sunshine here, uh, you know, before I head, head out there to what should be slightly warmer environments for a few days? Well, we thank you for lying and trying, trying to make us feel better, but we know it's a load of crap. So, anyways, you tweeted at us about a jersey, and I think for the class, uh, people who are late to class, I think it's a really good story. So, share with that, and then we'll get on to talking about the Cubs. But share with us the jersey you flashed yesterday. Uh, yeah, yesterday. absolutely. So. Yeah, we had uh, we had talked about this on a, on one of my previous appearances, and and I was talking to my son, and and you know generally when you play rec little league, uh, they assign you a jersey number based on alphabetical order. So he's always just worn the number one, um, and that's all well and good, that's perfectly fine. But he's never actually gotten to choose. And so I asked him about this. I said, well, what number would you want to wear 
if you got to choose. And he said, I, I'd want to wear number 42 for Jackie. Uh, Jackie Robinson, I guess, goes without saying, because it's not retired in Little League, and you can wear it. And I thought that was really cool. And it was a long time coming uh, because of, you know, the, the interesting nature of, of last year. But this year uh, he was able to choose, and he's got it. So he's got his two jerseys. I think we, uh, we got, I got the preview of him. We should pick him up. But he is uh, he's wearing number 42, and that, and that made me really proud. Uh, we, we watched the movie together, and um, the movie 42, and, and so he could kind of get a better idea of what that really means, uh, you know, to the extent that he really can in, in the form of a film. Obviously, that doesn't do it justice. But I thought that was really cool that he had enough respect for the past and, and what Robinson means to the game that he wanted to honor him in that way. And, and now he gets a chance to. That's awesome, man. How, how old is he again? He's 12. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's outstanding. That, yeah, to have that kind of historical perspective. I'm trying to think when I was 12 – Nah, I probably would not have had that. I was, <laughs> I, I was pretty much focused on the daily double at that point. Is is Bob Dernier gonna get on base right now? And then what will Ryan Sandberg do? And then will the Sarge knock them in? So that kid's way ahead. Yeah, you know it's uh, it, it's it's pretty fun to to kind of see it um, and and to kind of get that perspective. Uh, from him and and uh you know and it was it was really neat as well i mean he just finished up yesterday we had a little fundraiser that uh we we got some money generated for uh for the lost boys the baseball organization on the south side of chicago there um that's really doing a lot of work in in the south shore neighborhood and uh and so it's just been kind of cool to see what we can do with baseball i mean there's so much not not just the history of it but even now it unites a lot of different people across various cultural backgrounds and and, uh, and it's kind of fun to be able to do that and to use some kind of a common ground to, um, again, to whether it's making friends or, or helping out some other folks in different areas. It's, uh, it's been really cool to be able to kind of make the most out of uh, some of the things we've gotten and to kind of help him train for it along the way. So it, it's, it's neat to have a goal. And now we're just looking forward to the weather being nice enough to actually get outside and start playing. So yeah, it's nice. We're, we're looking forward to that, too. Our guest is Evan Altman, Cubs Insider. Let's talk about the Cubs, Evan. And Jock Peterson seems to have, if you connect some dots the way these things usually work, when they signed him, they thought, well, this is a really good platoon. But then I don't think Jock would have signed if he was going to be platoon. So he must have gotten some promises. Their roster moves in the wake of that look like he did get some promises. So it looks like he's going to play full-time, and that includes against left-handed pitching. Is this a good thing, a bad thing? Are you surprised by this? Are the Cubs – what are the Cubs doing with this? Yeah, I mean, I, I am definitely a little surprised by it, simply because, you know, his numbers, you know, they replaced Kyle Schwarber with a, uh, who's, who himself had, you know, some fairly stark platoon splits with someone who's got even more uh, disparate platoon splits. I mean, uh, Peterson's batting well under 200 against lefties. Uh, a few little tweaks there, but that's where it really seemed like, okay, the first kind of move they made, they picked Phil Irvin up off waivers, and, and there was a thought that, like, okay, here's a righty batter who hits lefties really well. He can platoon at the corners. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, but now we've seen that, that he is gone. Peterson's there. There have been assurances, both David Ross and, and Jed Hoyer have confirmed that, and, and Peterson wrote about it, how that's how he made the choice. I mean, he took less money 
to come and, and fewer years, uh, you know, maybe only one less, but a shorter deal for less money to come play in Chicago because they gave him the opportunity. And, you know, I, I don't want to look at that and say, well, it's all a psychological thing, but there is something to be said for someone being given a job on a full-time basis. You are going to face a lot of lefties. And, you know, there's going to be the occasional game when he sits, maybe a really tough left-handed pitcher, but knowing he's going to be out there, I think there is maybe a little bit more of an impetus for him to work on that a little bit more. If you knew you were never going to face left-handed pitchers, there's really no reason to kind of up that level of your game. So it, uh, it'll be interesting. I'm not entirely sure it's going to work as well as what they want it to, but I, I do think what we're seeing with David Ross we didn't see it as much last year. I think he overmanaged a bit. But I, I do think we're going to see a little bit more of a static kind of a lineup and defensive alignment than what we were used to uh, even last year or certainly in the Joe Madden years. So that in and of itself may kind of aid these guys' comfort level. It's funny you say that. Like, I, I'm looking forward to David Ross year two and just to see him. I want to see him take over a little bit more because I do think – that there was some hesitancy on some things and other things not obviously but also i think there i think that there was something too to the relationship with with the players and being close to some of those guys i remember when he first went out to the mound all the players were kind of chiding him and i think that there, and that was fun and all that kind of stuff but i think i do think that there still needs to be some separation of powers between ross and the players and then and, and then even hopefully, hopefully Jed Hoyer gives him a little bit more authority too. I'm looking forward to this being David Ross's team this year. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that, and you know, with a full spring uh, to kind of, it's not just the players that have to establish their timing. You know, it's it's Ross kind of understanding who he's got, getting a better look at the starters at the bullpen, understanding that situation, and then. Also knowing, and again, this kind of goes back to maybe having a more static sort of a lineup or uh, or just where guys are playing, is that, and, and, you know, I distinctly remember one of the times last year we spoke about that and some of the questionable decisions he had made when it came to even pinch running for guys, just kind of odd little things like that that maybe in that one game might not make a big difference. But when you extrapolate that now over 162 versus just 60, there are going to be a lot more of those times. When do you pull that pitcher? Which guy do you go to out of the bullpen? You know, how do you set those matchups? And and I think, you know, he, he got kind of a crash course on that. But I'm very interested as well to see how does he react in the moment when there are just those little decisions that maybe could be the, the difference of one guy who's slightly faster than the other that gets to run across. Now you're winning uh, versus being tied or losing. So um, how he does that, I think, especially with a team that does not have as much margin for error, uh, particularly with the pitching staff, can they, you know, little differences could really make it or break it when you talk about, you know, do, hey, do they win 85 games or do they win 75? That seems like a lot, but it really could come down to very, very small decisions or performances. Or big decisions like Craig Kimbrell sucking. And I know with, with curveballs in Arizona, they don't always go together. Sometimes they work, but often it's a result of just the, the atmosphere and the, where you are and the environment and, and everything in, that goes along with Arizona. 
So I don't know whether to panic now, save it for later. What would you suspect is the case with a guy who has been wildly inconsistent as a Cub? Ah, boy. Yeah, that's uh, it's one of those where, you know, you when you see a guy, if he goes out there and strikes out the side, you're going to cheer for it. But, yeah, look, it's, you got it. He's back. And then, uh-huh. you know, he gives up a bunch of runs. You're like, ah, spring training, that doesn't matter. Uh, those performances, you know, so we can kind of cherry pick uh, whichever way we want to believe. I I want badly for Kimbrell to do well, I mean, uh, for a, a variety of reasons. But if you saw, you know, he made some tweaks last year, and, and that's where I, I, I'm hesitant to believe what happened yesterday was a real indication because we did see him over, I think it was his last eight outings, you know, something like 13 walks or 13 strikeouts. And no, 13 walks would be really terrible. Um, that would be positively Chat Woodian. Um, <laughs> but 13 strikeouts, I think no walks in that time. And what we <gasps> saw, you know, I don't, I don't know if he was tipping his pitches necessarily, but his, he may have been a little bit. His setup was slightly different in his curveball uh, through some point last season. That's why he wasn't getting any swinging strikes on it at all. They knew the curve was coming. They laid off. And then he was locating his fastball just middle-middle, and it was getting crushed toward the end of the season. We saw him finally start elevating that fastball. So you get 98 at the top of the zone. That is significantly more effective than putting it right down the pipe. So if he can get back to that, I, I think we still have an opportunity to see a guy who's you know maybe not – quite the Atlanta days, but somebody who can be good enough to hold down that ninth inning, whether or not that's there, though, as you said, he's been really inconsistent. It just feels like he's searching for those mechanics a little bit too much. So, you know, I guess here's the hope, and he figures that out here in the next few weeks. Hopefully you're right. Um, guy that I'm curious about is Ian Happ. He obviously had, to, to a large degree, he had a, a very good season last year do we know what his ceiling is yet like where where do you think ian happ maxes out as a major league baseball player i, I think this season is going to tell us a lot about that um you know it, it looked for all the world like he was a dark horse mvp candidate last year he was getting on base he was hitting for power uh he was making things happen and you know, right around the time it was well, i guess he had around 70 plate appearances maybe kind of batting all over the order early on and then when he came the everyday leadoff hitter his numbers actually jumped i think his, you know his on base dropped a little bit but if you look at kind of an overall measure one of them then i kind of lean on is, is wrc plus for those who aren't really familiar just weighted runs created so how effective are you at creating runs and he was somewhere around 192 which is 92 percent better than the average hitter and as a leadoff guy your whole job is to create runs. He was excellent there. The issue then was he fouls the ball off his eye, things drop off. So if we see this guy, you know, again, and I'm not comparing him directly to Dexter Fowler, but you have a, a switch hitting center fielder who's, you know, again, kind of a, a magnetic personality in terms of at least, certainly on the outside with all his media endeavors, but, uh, you know, just a, a guy who really can get things started. If the Cubs can finally figure that out at the top of the order, I think he's got potential because of the power, because of the athleticism to really be an all-star caliber player. The question is, can he do that consistently? And and that's one thing we've not yet seen from him across a full season. So uh, I think we're going to find out relatively quickly one way or the other, but I, I do really think he's got the potential to be 
a big, big impact player for them. Well, we hope so, and we'll look forward to uh, reading your reports from down there where it's far warmer, and we'll hate you with every word, Evan. Well, I, I guess that's it's better than, you know, I guess better to be hated than loved. Is that, uh, or either way, hate well, me hate, or love me, just read my work. Either way. Hate it, you're right. So. Hated in sunshine than loved in cold weather. That's the way you should That'll work. Have. I'll take Thanks. it. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Have a good one, guys. All right. Evan Altman, CubsInsider.com. We'll take a break. When we come back, it will be uh, next hour is what Mark heard. What Mark heard? Mark heard a lot of stuff. We'll discuss that after this. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 